A couple weeks ago, um, I had this privilege. I have some pastors that Miss Jamie and I oversee in their churches. And so we did a, like a 24-hour retreat getaway here in the Dallas area. And uh, one of the things that they wanted to do was one of these escape rooms. Has anybody done an escape room yet? Let me see. Oh, okay, some of you have done an escape room. It's the coolest thing ever. When they were talking about it, I was like, look, man, I've been in some rooms that I needed to escape from. I don't know if I want to go back. Some of you got, yours had bars, and so you don't ever want to go back to something you got to escape from. And so, and so, you know, we're in this situation, and, and if you've not been to an escape room, what happens is they put a team of people, uh, you know, your friends, your family, whatever, they put you in this room, they lock the door, and there are clues all throughout the room. The room is staged, and uh, in fact, we got a picture. Here's a picture uh, of us. Um, yeah, look at that. Good. That's your pastor right there in the middle. Look at that. I'm, yeah. Anyway, and so how about this next picture? This is actually uh, the ladies. They, they were in the other room. Look at Miss Jamie over there. It's so beautiful. And so one of the, what the objective is, is there are clues hidden around, and you push a button, and it opens up something over here, and you got to punch in this into a telephone that sits there, and it opens up this thing on the wall. So you're pulling on everything on the wall. You're turning everything upside down. You're trying to read signs on the wall, you know, picture frame, pictures that actually have some kind of secret meaning in them. And so we're in this one particular moment, and uh, they're all senior pastors, and we're all type A, and I'm the older guy. I'm the, kind of the pastor of all these pastors, and we're in the room, and we get in this moment where we cannot figure out a certain situation. And all these type A pastors, they're pushing, and we're grinding, and we're getting mad at each other, and everything we're doing is frustrating. We go 10, 15 minutes, and we can't figure it out. We get aggravated. Finally, the man of wisdom, as someone said, let us take a step back, and let's just take a breath, because what we're doing is not working. So what if we just take a step back and try to figure out um, you know, uh, maybe a different angle from it. And the moment we did that, we're all just kind of standing there. All of a sudden, somebody goes, oh, what about this? And we all went, oh, that's it. And we punch in this number. And the, all of a sudden, a secret passageway opens. And we get to crawl through this tunnel to another room. It was the coolest moment ever. Because I want to build secret passageways in my house. I mean, that would just be cool, right? And so in that moment, I realized something. And that is we were frustrated. We were aggravated. We were agitated. The obstacle was not getting solved. We were not having breakthrough. And what we needed was a creative solution. And that's what I've titled today's teaching, Creative Solution. In fact, as I was preparing for this, the Lord began speaking to me that there are men and women in this room that when you started 2018, you said, God, I'm believing for this, and I'm going to see my marriage better. I'm going to see a breakthrough in this, and I'm going to see this. And here you are with only eight weeks left in the year, and some of you have almost given up. You've been grinding it out. You've been back and forth on this thing. And really what you need is a creative solution. And the purpose of today's message is to give you hope again and help you realize that maybe what you're doing is doing and doing and doing. The reason maybe that it's not working is because you need to back up and you need to get God's solution on the situation. And that's my goal with today's teaching is to help you realize that the things that you dream about, the breakthroughs that are supposed to be yours in God the sin habits that keep trying to destroy you that should not have this much authority over you, those things are going to be broken. Those things are going to be changed. The breakthrough is going to happen. But what we need is some creative solutions. Turn to the person next to you and say, creative solutions. Turn to the person on the other side and say, creative solutions. Our key scripture is found in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. If you'll turn there quickly with me, it'll be on the screen as well. Colossians 1.16 says, for by him... All things were created, speaking of Father God, 
things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and, say it with me, for him. Our God is the creator of all things. Our God is the solution provider because he's the one who created it all. All things in heaven and in earth he created. All powers, principalities, all, all of the, he is the creator of all things and they were created for him and by him. Come on, are you with me? He is creator God. I don't know about you, but a couple years ago when the iPhone 6 had first came out, I wanted one. I wanted to go from a 5 to a 6 like all the cool people. But the problem was I did not want to give them $800. So I bought a refurb. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I bought a refurb. It was awesome till I got it home. Then all of a sudden it didn't work all the way. And so what did I do with my iPhone? I sent it over to to Apple. I sent it back to the manufacturer. I said, listen, it's not working right. I'm going to send it back to the one who created it, who made it, so that person knows the intent of what's supposed to happen and can fix it properly. And what we keep doing is we keep looking for solutions from the wrong manufacturer. We keep trying to find solutions somewhere outside of the living God. But our God is a creative God. Our God created all things. Everything else is just a copy. Come on, somebody. Our God knows how to fix you. He knows how to give you breakthrough. What you and I have to do is tap into him and his creative solutions. This is where the problem is at. And so some of you have been grinding it out. And I just keep doing what the manager told me. And I just keep doing what the counselor and the therapist said. Friend, at the end of the day, what you've got to have to have the breakthrough you want is the creative solution. And the best place to get that from is the creator. You need to get that today. And so with that being said, I want to look at a passage of Scripture. Real quick today, a passage of scripture where God gives King Solomon a crazy creative solution to a pretty huge problem. I want you to see the nature of God at work in this man's life. Some of you know that King Solomon was David, King David's son. When David dies off, he passes on the kingdom to King Solomon. And in the moment of King Solomon being a young king, God actually comes to him. He says, Solomon, ask whatever you want of me and I'll give it to you. And the Bible says that Solomon said, Lord, I want wisdom. I need, I need solutions. I don't know how to lead this vast group of people. God said, I will give you that. But not only that, will I, I'll, give you, I'll give you great riches as well because you ask for wisdom because you love my people. And Solomon became known as one of the greatest and wisest men in all of history. But he was known by that because of the moments of creative solutions that came to him in the midst of great obstacles. Every one of us in this room have obstacles. Every one of us are looking at, we've got eight weeks left. I thought by now this would happen. Here we are. I'm closing out the year. I'm still struggling with this. I still can't stand uh, my, my, my spouse. I still have a loveless marriage. I still don't have any relationship with my adult kid. I still have this. And you've been trying some things and have tried some things. But what needs to happen today is your faith needs to rise and solutions from the king of glory need to come to you. Creative solutions, doing things that maybe you haven't done before, trying something God would give you as a solution that you never knew before. So let's look at this passage. And so here we are. We're going to look in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 22 through 28. What I'll do is I'll set up that passage for sake of time. What happens is there are these two ladies. The Bible calls them prostitutes. And they both become pregnant within just days of each other. They give birth as well uh, to, to both to, boy, uh, to, to children. They give, I don't remember if it was boys or boy and a girl. But the point being, they, it was the same sex. So it's both boys. Thank you. So 
But as you study it out, though, many scholars say they weren't necessarily prostitutes, that the Hebrew word, word there actually represents more of a barmaid uh, or tavern workers. So these ladies, more than likely, less than being prostitutes that sold themselves on the street corner, were more likely um, barmaids. They, were, they worked at the tavern. And as a result, they probably lived at the tavern, which would have been customary at the time. And so they lived there, you know, in a back room somewhere, and they probably had some back room dealings at the tavern as well. They both become impregnated, and they both give birth about the same time. And the Bible says that in the middle of the night, as they are laying with their children, each on their separate beds, that the one woman turns over and suffocates her child. When she awakens, she's killed her child. And in the frustration and the horror of that, she does something very deceptive. She goes over to her sleeping friend and takes her brand new baby and replaces it with her dead baby. When woman number two wakes up in the morning and she sees her, what's not her child, but she sees she has a dead baby, and she looks over and says, wait a minute, that's my baby. So no, 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 this is my baby. And they end up in the court system with their complaint. Now, typically, King Solomon hears the complaint, which is pretty out of the ordinary. He is a king of a major country, and although they have a great judicial system, he probably typically at this stage in life, would not have lowered himself to go deal with the commoners. He would have set policy. He would have governed governors, but he wouldn't have gotten down in the personal one-on-one scenarios. So the fact that he's doing this is proof that his heart really is to help the nation, and he really does have great insights that God wants to bring to the people. So we'll pick up in verse 22, and it says this. It says, but the first one, talking about the, 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 the lady, the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. And the king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While the other one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. And he gave an order, cut the living child in two. And give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was filled with compassion for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the baby. Give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other one said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. When all of Israel heard the verdict that the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. You talk about the need for a creative solution. You're standing there. You're the king. All eyes are on you. They're broadcasting this. This is Facebook Live. And these women are in front of you. And they are, they are look, they two mad mamas. And one thing I know, never do, is get in the way of a mad mama. Mama bears are something to behold. And they've got a living baby with them while holding a dead baby. And they say, that's my baby. She goes, no, no, it's my baby. That's your baby. No, this was not baby. And they're back and forth. And you can imagine the, the pitch of that environment, how loud it was. And all of a sudden, God gives Solomon a creative solution. He says, bring me a sword. So the soldier steps up, unsleeves the sword. Here you go, sir. Take the baby. Cut him in half. Now, I want you to imagine, you're the guy with the sword. Like, uh, you want, do you want to do it? Do you want me to do it? Like, um, like did you mean me? <laughs> I mean, I kill men. I don't kill babies. And he says, cut him in half. So he raises his sword. That baby's sitting there. And you've seen these beautiful babies. Imagine we set a baby up on this stage, one of these precious children. Pulled out a sword and go to hack it in half. And all of a sudden, 
The original mother says, no, please, sir, please don't kill him. Please let him live. I don't care. Let her have him. I would rather my baby live than my baby die. Even if he has to live with that horrible lady. If I'm her, I'm planning how she's going to die when we get back home anyway. Right? Like, you ain't making it home. I'm going to tell you that now. <laughs> so, let the baby live. I'm going to kill everybody. But then I'm going to be on the run the rest of my life. I mean, but uh, she's thinking that bad boy through. Whereas the other lady says, that's fair. Cut him in half. I'll get half and she'll get half. And Solomon went, mm-hmm. And the reason why, Matthew Henry said it like this, for the heart of every problem is the problem in the heart. Give you a second to think about it. It's coming. It's coming. For the heart of every problem is the problem in the heart. In other words, most of what we're fighting and arguing and being mad about has more to do with what's going on in our hearts than actually what the real obstacle is. And what King Solomon does supernaturally, God gives him a creative solution that calls out the heart. Because the woman whose baby that was, her heart's like, uh, he can't die. No, I, she give it to her. Whereas the bitterness of having killed my own baby in the middle of the night and the jealousy that you have a living baby and the corruption that I've already done something so evil that now I'm standing in front of the king. I thought this was just going to go to a magistrate. Now I'm in front of the king. I'm going to play this thing all the way out unless I get exposed. Her heart says, kill the baby. Cut it in half. That's fair. And in that moment of exposure, the king's able to say, see, that baby belongs to this one. It was a supernatural creative solution. Frank, can I tell you something? That's what you need. You don't need another self-help book. You don't need another. I appreciate all those things are so good, but you've been battling somebody with the same obstacle, trying to overcome the same thing, and what you need is a creative solution from the living God. So I want to teach you a couple of truths about creative solutions. Would you write these down with me? I think they'll help you a little bit. Number one, truths about creative solutions. Number one, God is the creator, as already mentioned. But you got to get this, and I know it sounds simple, but if you don't get this, then you'll keep struggling trying to make your life work by way of all the worldly teachings and all the worldly concepts. Look what Amos says in chapter 4 and verse 13. For he, excuse me, he who formed the, forms the mountains, creates the wind, and reveals his thought to man, he who turns dawn to darkness and treads the high places of the earth, the Lord God Almighty is his name. Can I tell you something? God's essence is creativity. God's essence is creativity. You need to understand the God that you serve is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the manufacturer of you. He knows what makes you work and what not makes you. He knows how to fix the thing that's not working in your marriage, how to fix the thing that's not working with your kids. He knows how to fix the thing on the sin habit that you're so embarrassed of. He knows how to do it. You got to go back to the creator to find out the solution to the problem that the creature or the created is dealing with. And this is where most of us fail. And that takes lordship. That's more than just saying I'm a Christian. That says, God, you are my God. What you say, I will do. What your word says, I will surrender to. I don't care what the system says. I don't care what the world in which I live in says. What do you have? How can you fix it? You are the living God. When you and I come back to surrendering to his lordship, he is creator. You'll find the solutions that you're looking for. Here's the second big truth that you need to understand, and that is that you can tap into his creativity. 
If you're a son or daughter of the Most High God, what happened to you is when you became a Christian, when you said, yes, I will serve the Lord, what happened to you is he immediately filled you with his Holy Spirit upon confession, upon believing. Now, let me just explain something to you. Before I was a Christian, I didn't mind punching you, stealing from you, lying to you, lusting after you. I didn't have any problem with that. Why? Because I was living for myself. Then I became a Christian, and the Holy Spirit came and abided in me, and all of a sudden I felt bad about hating you. Like before, I didn't care. I stabbed you. Now I'm like, man, when I punched you, that didn't feel good. I don't know why. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord's now inside of me. His DNA is now pumping into my being. His nature, his creativity, his rightness is now pumping into my being. But the problem is I still have my old nature and I have his fresh, new God nature inside me. And they're fighting with each other and that's going to be for the rest of your days. And the more I give over to his nature and the more I just surrender and crucify my old nature and say, I don't like it. I don't want to be like that anymore. God, take over. What happens is then I start becoming more and more like him. And then I start looking like him, talking like him, acting like him. And before a while I would cuss you, now I'm blessing you. But I don't even know where that came from. I bless you in Jesus' name. You just go ahead and steal that. It's amazing, the transition. But what you and I most time don't grasp is that because his Holy Spirit now lives and abides in us, his creativity's in us. And we don't even stop to tap into that. Say, God, I don't know what to do about this, but I need you. I need you to show me truth in a situation I don't even know. I don't even understand. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's insights. God, our God, is the God of wisdom. He's the one that gives us solutions. Which brings me to a thought about Boudreaux and Thibodeau. You know, Thibodeau, he knocked, knocked his back out working. It's coming on winter time and he had cut down a bunch of trees and had them all around his yard, was going to chop them in the wood, but he just couldn't do it because of the badness of his back. And Boudreaux, his friend, got to feeling sorry for him. And, and, uh, and it came along his birthday. And Boudreaux was thinking, how can I do something good for my friend? But he ain't had no money. You know, he poor Cajun. All of a sudden, he got this idea. He calls the FBI. He said, I want to I tell a secret. He said, my neighbor, Thibodeau, he said, he's a drug runner, and he's hiding the cocaine in all his woodpile outside. And I don't want to mention my name, but I'm telling you right now, he's a drug runner. Y'all need to come get him. Five minutes, man. All of a sudden, FBI helicopters are swarming Thibodeau's place. Big uh, SUVs pull up, black SUVs. They jump out. They go running around the house. Next thing you know, you see Thibodeau walking out in handcuffs, set up against the SUV. And, man, they get to looking, throwing the wood all around. Then they pull out their axe. They start chopping it, and they start cutting it all up in little bitty pieces and stuff, looking for the cocaine. You can see they're frustrated. They're not finding anything. And all of a sudden you see uh, Thibodeau's yelling at him, put my wood, stack it back the way it's supposed to be. And they stack it all back nice, unhandcuffed him and drive off. Bujo called over to Thibodeau. He said, Thibodeau, FBI didn't come to your house? He said, they sure did. He said, they got to cutting on your wood pile? He said, they sure did. They split every lock? They sure did. They stacked it all back right? They sure did. Happy birthday. Creative solutions are in you, but you got to tap into them. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord abides in you. The Spirit of the Lord is in you. you, you listen, Solomon is not so much wiser than you and I. Because you got to understand, in Old Testament times, as you study Scripture, what would happen was the Holy Spirit would come down out of heaven and rest upon men and women and do great things. 
Samson would do something supernatural, then the Holy Spirit would lift off of it, go back into heaven. Come down, do something supernatural, lift back off. But what happened at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 was the Holy Spirit was poured out on humanity. And so when you and I become Christians, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon us and then leave. He now abides in us. Every prophet from the old days, every Christian believer in Jehovah from the old days long to have what we have. And so they're looking down at us from heaven going, you big dummy. Why aren't you using the fuego del Espíritu Santo that's inside of you? Why are you not tapped in? And you and I keep doing the same thing. We've been doing, trying to use our business models that we learned in college, and we frustrated and can't make it work, don't know what we're supposed to do in our life, can't make the marriage work. Our kids hate us. Why? Because we've never tapped into the creative solutions that God has, the creator, and is now abiding in us through the Holy Spirit. You and I can tap into that. Here's the third truth you need to understand about creative solution, and that is this. Obstacles will move when creative solutions come on the scene. Some of you are like, I'm just going to have to live with this the rest of my life. Some of you are quick to give up because it doesn't happen in the time frame you wanted it to happen. But I want you to know, when it comes to creative solutions from heaven, obstacles will move. Years ago, I was a youth minister, and I had a multiracial youth group, black kids, white kids, Hispanic kids, much like Church on the Hill. And we're in this moment. I was having a problem. I had a few hundred kids, and I was having this problem where they just weren't connecting with each other. Black kids all sit over here. White kids sit all over there. Hispanic kids sit over there. And it, it, it wasn't Jesus-like. And then anyone new that would come, it was clickish, and nobody really engaged them. And we didn't know how to capture that. And I was trying to help. Hey, man, I need you to meet so-and-so. Man, you guys could be great friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, young people can be. And still are when they grow up. And so, uh, so we're sitting in a staff meeting, and I'm just frustrated. We've tried everything. We've come up with every idea we could ever come up with. Nothing's working. And so what I did was I backed up. I said, guys, let's just pray. Let's just ask God to show us something crazy cool. And we're praying. All of a sudden, I see in my mind's eye just this picture of a kid with a sombrero on. I said, I just saw a picture of a kid with a sombrero on. And they're like, you want Mexican for lunch, Pastor? What's the problem? What you want? I was like, no. And then it hit me. Oh, it's a solution. And I went out and I purchased every weird hat that anybody could ever wear. I purchased sombreros, baseball caps, hard hats, whatever, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, beautiful black mama hats for Sunday mornings with the stuff on it. I got like 10 of them. I still got them at my house. I wear them late at night. Anyway, so I had those. <laughs> Come up here, pray with them on. I feel the glory. And, uh, and so I bought all these hats, and then what we did was, a kid comes walking in brand new. We, listen, before there were selfies, we came up with this idea in this moment. We said, hey, we're going to walk you over to our new station for our new people. We called it Area 51, because you're an alien here. You feel weird. Okay, so come over here. And then we said, of oh, these hats, pick a hat that best represents your personality. So they dig in the box, and they put one on, and all of a sudden, we start taking pictures of them and stuff. We said, now listen, after praise and worship, we're going to put your picture on the screen. It's amazing. How people who are shy and don't like to talk to people, you put a hat on them and start taking pictures of them, shoot. They, I mean, I, before there were selfies, we were doing selfies. It's hilarious. And then we told them, now listen, after praise and worship, your picture's going to be up on the screen just while we're saying hello to one another, kind of meeting and greeting and kind of thing. Okay, all right. And then what we did was we went to all the leaders. And now listen, you keep complaining, saying you don't know who the new kids are. Anybody with a hat on is a new kid. Oh, okay. Go meet them. Okay. 
And all of a sudden, we start playing the music. Praise and worship come to end. Play the music. Everybody go find somebody you don't know. And everybody, put, they start putting on their hats. And everybody's running over, laughing with them, talking to them. It solved a major problem that no matter who I stood, what youth ministry in the nation, who I called, all their plans, none of them had a good plan. But we backed up from the table and we said, God, speak to us. There's creativity in us. You have a solution. Can I tell you something? Those kids became best friends. You came to that youth ministry, you felt love, you felt embraced because of hats. Who in the world would put that in a youth manual? Buy a bunch of hats. That'll make kids be nice to each other. It was a creative idea from heaven because we did what God wanted us to do. We backed away. So let me give you three practical steps on how to kind of connect in to that creative power of the Holy Spirit within you. How you and I can begin overcoming obstacles. But there's a couple practical things that I would teach you. First practical step is you need to back away from the situation. I don't mean leave your wife tonight. He said, Pastor said, and you the situation, I'll tell you that right now. No, but what happens is we get to doing something. We get to doing it, we get to doing it. We know oh, it's not working, we get to doing it. What has to happen, we have to back away just to see it from a different angle. Just to see it. That takes humility. Because especially for those of you that are plotter planners and organizers, you don't start a plan that you don't think is already going to be the best plan ever in the history of the world. And you're mad that we're not all doing your plan. And you're going to keep doing your plan even though you're killing all of us and shipwrecking the entire organization. Because you created the plan. But if it's not working and you're frustrated and everyone around you is frustrated, the first step is to back away so that you can begin to seek creative solutions. Take a step back. Look at it from a different angle. Here's the second practical thing I would teach you. And that is already spoken. But let's make it a point. Number two, ask God. Number two, number one, back away. Number two, ask God. God, I don't know what to do. God, I can't make these guys at my office work. I don't know what the problem is. God, I need your help. I'm backing away. Show it to me, Lord, in a way that I can see because I just can't see it. I don't really know what we need to do. God, help me. And in that humility, in that tapping in to the power of the Holy Spirit that lives and abides in you, God's going to give you creative solutions. And here's the third practical piece that I would tell you, and that is when he does, you're going to have to, number three, step out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. So over the last few years, prior to even starting Church on the Hill, I traveled the world teaching people how to do assimilation, how to connect with new people, and how to touch their community. Something I traveled the world. I had systems that we had developed over the years. We were the experts at it. And then we started Church on the Hill, and we stunk. We put our systems in place. They didn't work. And we tried. All, everyone knew. We had this thing called the preview. We asked you to come. You come to preview. We started with, you know, a, a lunch after service, and nobody would show up but the staff so they could eat a free meal. It was unbelievable. And then, and then we, and we started saying, all right, let's do it more personal. We'll do coffee and cookies with Pastor Adam in his office. Anybody brand new just want to know about the church, I'll cast a vision to him. Just come up to the church on Sunday nights and right before the service starts on the evening service, and you can have time with us, and we can sit down. Nobody came. Yeah, I was like, man, I got all these cookies. I'm getting fat, and nobody's coming and connecting with us. I was so mad. I was so frustrated. We tried so many things, and finally I backed away. And everybody was giving me suggestions, like, I'm standing here. I'm looking at this thing from every angle. I'm going to humble myself because it's not working. It's just not working. And we ended up at a conference that I heard about where they were going to teach us about 
something they called the grow track. And so I was like, all right, let's hear your ideas. And so we sat in that grow track, and they started telling us about their four steps and about the grow track. And we were like, oh, this is awesome. And so we came back. And we started the grow track somewhere in June or something like that. And can I testify to you that 150 of you have gone through our grow track. You know what the vision of the house is. You know, your, you know your, how God designed you. You found your leadership place. You found your place to serve in the church. The rest of you, you keep trying to figure out, what do I do? How do I connect with church on the hill? Go to the grow track. I promise you, I thought I knew what I was doing. It wasn't working. I backed up. I cried out to God. And then he said, go humble yourself. Go to somebody else's conference. I'm like, I'm the one teaching conferences go to somebody else's conference, learn what they do, and then institute it. And that humility was out of my comfort zone. And I'm asking a 28-year-old, and then you did what? Uh-huh. And then you do what? Yeah. Well, we used to do that anyway. That's so stupid. And I'm listening to them. And I'm out of my comfort zone. I don't like any bit of it. I'm mad about every bit of it. But it was for you. I needed a solution for you to connect with us so we could be your church, so you could find your place. And everything else I was doing wasn't working. It was frustrating me. It was frustrating you, and I needed a creative solution. I don't know what the obstacle is for you this month. I'm not sure what this year has brought you as far as success and failures, but I do know as your pastor and by way of the spirit realm that some of you are deeply frustrated, and you're looking at the finish line of eight weeks. You think if, you know, in the next eight weeks, I just I can't even make a change. And I want you to know that the living God the creative God that you serve has filled you with his Holy Spirit and that you can tap into his creative solutions. But it's going to take a couple little pieces. It's going to take, number one, you backing away and saying, you know what, it's not working. What I'm doing, what we're doing in our marriage is not working. We've tried some things. Let's back off a little bit. Let's, let's just back up. And then let's, number two, let's ask God. God, show us a solution. And then number three, when he says, do this or try this, even if it's uncomfortable, I'm willing to go do it. I was talking to a great man of God today who said, you know what? We decided we're going to go to counseling. We would never have done that. That would have been admitting uh, failure and, and it's humbling. But you know what? I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to do that because I want my marriage to be strong. I was so proud of this person. What they did was found creative solutions and they're walking their end.